This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What's good, everyone? Welcome back to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Brandon Rowicki here with you once again as Andrew Hustler-Patterson makes his way back from a weekend back in Wisconsin at the Ryder Cup. Hustle will be back in the chair for tomorrow's show, so in the meantime, I'll get the week started with you guys on a busy Monday afternoon after a massive, massive weekend in sports. Uh, we got a Jets game to talk about. I mean, that's the main thing here. The club kicked off the preseason with a loss to Ottawa last night. So Scott Billick of the Winnipeg Sun will stop by in just under an hour to break that one down. Dave McCarthy as well, NHL.com and SiriusXM NHL. He'll get the hockey talk going with us in about uh, 15 minutes or so. Talking Leafs and the rest of the NHL. Plus, we'll get into the Americans dominating the Ryder Cup as well as a massive, massive week three in the NFL. Just about capped off with one hell of a Sunday nighter. Aaron Rodgers taking it to the Niners once again. Before we get going, just want to mention Winnipeg Sports Talk is brought to you by Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Canadian Club Whiskey, Not Auto Corp, the Nick and Nikki DQ Group, Boston Pizza, Little Brown Jug, Assiniboia Downs, and Cool Bet Canada. Michael Remus is still here with us out in Wisconsin. Remo, how is it going today, man? How was the weekend? Oh, yeah. Great. Uh, we can made it out to the lake. You can still do that. Uh, I don't remember. You know, I remember after Labor Day, it was like, okay, yeah, lake season's over. But, I mean, isn't supposed to be like 24 today. So yeah. get it get it in while you can. You can go to Thanksgiving. Uh, now, so uh, I'm feeling I'm feeling a bit refreshed here. I don't know about you, uh, Brandon. Are you? I I thought we we're both kind of feeling it this morning. I, I, like I'm, you know, everybody in the chat. It's it's a case of the Mondays for us. I'm I'm beyond exhausted. I'm onto my second coffee of the day, but we'll uh we'll, we'll get through this one all right. Especially because we have some Jets hockey to talk about. An actual game happened last night. Are you are you ready for the um? Game one of the preseason overreaction takes to get going in full fourth here, Remo. Yes, let's let's go with our biggest game one. Okay, Cole Perfetti shootout specialist. Keep him on the roster. He's making Third the line. team. Um, <laughs> who's the other one? Oh, yeah, I see. Already, see, I've already seen it in chat. We haven't even started the show, and people keep harping on. You know, the Jets don't have the right backup goalie. We're seeing that. And what's the other one? Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, total total rebound. Him and Ehler is going to lead top 10 in the league in points. That's the new Jets number one that's line. That's where we're at right now? Okay. Well, I that's think- pretty good. Well, let's – I mean, should we, I, I guess you mentioned maybe Eric Comrie's the hot topic right now. Um, So a 3-2 loss against the Senators. They lose in OT, and then the shootout was happening regardless, and Winnipeg loses the shootout as well, I believe. Um, you know, I didn't think Eric Comrie was bad by any means. Um, Did he – did he maybe assuage the uh, the angst and the question marks surrounding him headed into the season and and the legit questions about you know if he can be a backup at the NHL level? I, I don't think so, right, Michael? I mean, you look at the goals that he allowed, and I don't think there was a soft one in the mix, but a bunch of stoppable ones for sure. And until we see him have a you know no doubt about it, you know twenty five save one goals against performance, these questions are pretty much going to surround Eric Comrie until he shows that he's good to go. But I think you would have liked a couple of stops last night. But again, having said that, you can put this qualifier in front of everything. It's game one of the preseason, right? Like we can't, we can't jump to too many conclusions just yet. But I mean, I would agree that, you know, Eric Comrie didn't necessarily 
um, you know, put the right foot forward, I guess, when it comes to making sure that he's the guy that the Jets can lean on as the backup goalie this year. Yeah, I think that that's fair. I'm not going to sit here and like be like angry. Like I've seen people in chat. I mean, look, I agree. He hasn't proven that he's, you know, an NHL. I mean, his numbers and his NHL career, they're not great. And he's going to have to prove that he can handle the job. I think the first one, I mean, Hainala got got danced on a really nice move there. And uh, maybe Comrie wasn't expecting it was out of position. The OT winner, you know, it just looked like a shot. Maybe he found the right, you know, found the right angle and in a tight corner. Um, but maybe you'd like you'd like to see those um, those get saved. So I mean, we'll see. And, and I think, look, if it doesn't work out, it's not hard to find a backup goalie. Every there's backup goalie musical chairs all the time. So I think the Jets will know if if it doesn't work. And so I don't think there's really anything to get to you know, fired up about. So it was the first game they haven't played in a while. I'm not going to make too much of anything, getting their legs under them. But I, I agree. It is the position is a concern and it'll be addressed if it doesn't work. And that's all you need to go with. You don't need to be, it literally comes up every time uh, in the chat. So, well, I guess it's something we'll be, we'll be monitoring. Yeah. And I actually figured out how to use the chat. So I'm looking forward to communicating Every, with everybody this time. Everyone in there is asking you if you figured it out. If you figured it out, I did tell you before so you can read uh, all the comments. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's funny. The first one I saw, Joe from Winnipeg, um, obviously <laughs> not a fan of my take. He says, clearly, Brando's never played goal before, but the brother and the dad have. Hey, you're 100% right. I, I come from a family of goalies, but I never played myself because. I've got my head screwed on straight, but I, it's just, it's tough, right? Because look, Eric Comrie's numbers at the NHL level aren't good at the AHL level. They're, I don't know, solid average. So somewhere around there, it's just, he's going to have to answer questions about this until he strings together a couple solid performances. But in my opinion, a couple of, a couple of goals last night that you would have liked to have him saved. Now you mentioned that first one there, Remo, uh, yeah, Billy Hainala didn't have himself a first period to remember. That was, um, yeah, not not ideal defending on a one-on-one there to allow Ridley Gray to get in and backhand one past Eric Comrie. So a bit of a shaky start for for Billy. I thought he got better as the game went on at least. So, you know, we'll see what he can do in, in games two and three of the preseason if he plays a little more after that. Don't expect him to make the team anyways, but it would be nice to see him stand out a little bit more on the positive side of things. But no doubt the prospect that had himself the most impressive showing in last night's game was Cole Perfetti. I mean, he, outside of the regular NHLers that the Jets dressed, to me, he was by far the most pop-worthy player on the ice wearing blue last night. I mean, the playmaking ability is, it, 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 it's right there in your face, right? It's hard to miss. And there were a number, a handful of passes that he made, really good passes as well, that set up, you know, high-quality scoring chances that the Jets just couldn't finish on. Um, I, Hey, it's going to take a lot more than that for him to maybe crack the opening night roster and, and play some games this year. Um, but Hey, go dominate the AHL. And, you know, maybe if there's some injuries, he can come and spark the club mid season. But as far as first game showings go, and it was actually the first game Cole Perfetti played as a, a Winnipeg jet because there was no preseason last year, Cole Perfetti flying marks for what he performed last night. Yeah, I agree. And then dazzled again in the, uh, what they do like a practice shootout after each preseason game, as per the league rules, got to get those uh, shootouts. And I actually kind of I don't mind that. It also gives the you know the fans something entertaining as uh, as they go. Um, 
And look, you look at it's funny. You look at the shot attempts if you're into that sort of thing. Uh, I mean, the guys leading leading the board are your top NHLers: Dylan at like seventy eight percent, Pionk seventy two, Ehlers seventy one. Then you have Tononato and Perfetti and Dubois in, in the sixties. So, I mean, these are again these are preseason shot attempts numbers. So I don't think it's anything too too crazy uh, to get worked up about, but. I mean, you're, you want your best guy, you know, your top guys to be performing well. And, you know, Perfetti, I think a lot of people are, you know, remembering Mark Scheifele's preseason back in 2011, where he scored a bunch of goals and, you know, made the team a start, but got sent down. So uh, people were talking shovel day off last week when they asked him about Perfetti starting the season in the AHL. He goes, well, he's not in the AHL just yet. So maybe he does make a case and... Uh, and forces his way on. So well, that's something that's, I think that is, could be the guy we're watching all preseason. Yeah. Hey, I mean, he might have a couple, you know, absolute, no doubt about it. We got to find a way to get this guy in the line of games moving forward here. I'm just expecting he starts in the AHL. Although I will say this, you know, the Mark Shifley suspension is going to take him out of the first game of the season. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying put Cole Perfetti as the top line center, but there might be, you know, if you're looking for, a little bit of skill to fill in, you know, Mark Shifley being out of the lineup. Maybe Cole Perfetti is a guy that even for one game, at least gets into the lineup, plays with some high skill guys. And, you know, maybe the kid has himself a nice start to the season. So Cole Perfetti to me was, I, I guess, the first star of the game outside of the NHL regulars. Before we get to uh, some of the players you mentioned there, I do want to say another prospect that stood out to me in a big way. Jonathan Kovacevic. I, I thought he had an, uh, an outstanding game. Uh, playing beside Logan Stanley. Logan Stanley looked solid as well. But Kovacevic, you know, when you're talking about maybe the uh, the race to be the first call-up, you know, depending on the whole lefty-righty thing, I thought Kovacevic did himself a world of good with a really, really solid game. And I just thought he made a lot of, you know, just little plays that kind of add up over the course of a game to put a team in the right position. But big, physical, and he moved the puck pretty well also. So, you know, good for Johnny Kovacevic, a guy that, you know, a lot of people that follow the moose say, you know what, he's kind of a sneaky under the radar player that could see some NHL time sometime in the near future. Brendan Dillon made his debut. This dude's going to be a fan favorite right off the bat. I, I, I really, really liked his game. I mean, he's going to bring the the physical sandpaper element that I think a lot of people have been searching for since Dustin Bufflin left. But he's got some pretty good offensive maneuvers as well. He jumped into the rush a couple of times. And I think Dylan and Pionk are, are going to be the deep pairing to go to for Winnipeg this season. So a really good debut for Brendan Dillon. One other thing we have to mention too, Remo. Um, I, I mean, it's good news now, but there were some scary points in the game last night as well. Nikolai Ehlers left briefly after taking an elbow to the head. Update today. He's good to go. No concerns there. Thank God. But... The big play of the game might be the Ridley Gregg cross check, which cost Pierre Luc Dubois 15 stitches last night. And Ridley Gregg is going to have himself a hearing with the Department of Player Safety sometime later today or tomorrow, given a five minute major on the play after a review. Pretty, uh, pretty easy call here, Remo, that uh, Ridley Gregg is going to get a, a, at least a game. Maybe even the rest of the preseason. How do you, how do you see that the discipline playing out there as we spin the wheel of uh, player safety? Oh man, that's that's tight. I mean, they're saying they're trying to get rid of cross checking. He cross checked Dubois in the face. Uh, Dubois is going for the hit. Um, Greg puts a stick up and catches him. Dubois said didn't think it was malicious. Just thought um, you know, just thought that he 
was trying to you know protect himself. That is just like a reflex thing. But then I I typed Ridley Griggs' name into Twitter. Apparently, he's done uh, this sort of thing before. Um, so I don't know, two to three games. Dubois got fifteen stitches. I mean, how many games? That's all the stitches. How many games per stitch? But he seems fine. He was on the, on the game. So fifteen stitches. I don't know, like. Yeah, three. We're, we're talking one, th- uh, three stitches per game, so he gets five preseason games. Is that how? It yeah, goes? I don't. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm kind of curious. You never know. Um, Dubois seems fine, other than the stitches. So maybe like three games, two games. Yeah, well, and it's preseason too, right? So you know, like may- maybe given the rest of the preseason. I-, I don't know, but just because it's preseason, he he deserves to get suspended for sure. Yeah. It wasn't, you know, insanely malicious to the point that, you know, you talk about, I don't know, five to ten games or something like that. I, I'm just, I kind of laughed that Dubois, you know, shook it off like he did. That's ah, no big deal. He didn't mean to. I got 15 stitches, though. But yeah. <laughs> at the very least, Dubois and Ehlers are both healthy and, and good, relatively healthy and good to go. Yeah, and I think those are the guys that uh, we're going to be watching. I think Dubois, I've, I think he's ready for a bounce back. He's saying all the right things. Uh, I think last year, again, tough on everyone. Ehlers, we know he's primed, and it was a nice, nice passing with Dubois and, and Harkins. And I know a lot of people, you know, still choke that line ain't no longer on the Jets, and you know, hopefully, do you know the trade really hasn't worked out for either team except for you know Columbus getting the two players compared to the Jets getting one. But um, I think I think Dubois is going to have a, a big year, and he's ha- he's an RFA. He wants you know wants to you know get paid at the end of the season, and uh, some nice passing there. He, he seems to be. In, in a better state of mind than last year, but and there he was on the score sheet, and you know they were the preseason. Sorry, not even preseason. The what training camp scrimmage, like MVPs, right. Dubois, Dubois, and Ehlers. So um, I, I guess that you you can exhale that those two guys are healthy and back today. Yeah, and you know it's not a big deal that Dubois gets on the score sheet, but I mean. The guy had just the year from hell last year, right? Well, yeah. Pretty much anything that could go wrong did go wrong. And I get that even when he scores, he ends up with 15 stitches on top of it. But I, I think there is something to some positive vibes early on in the season, right? Like you get a goal. Yeah, it's preseason, but it's just, I don't know. It's good vibes. I, I, I'm cool with it. And I'm with you, man. I think he's going to have a monster year. And yeah. whether it is with Ehlers beside him or we see the lines shaken up at some point, he just, he looks like he's in a really good mind frame. And I think we're going to see big things out of him and big things out of the top six as a whole as well. Um, one other note I want to mention before we, uh, you know, pretty quickly here get to Dave McCarthy. Uh, just some other notes from the game that I have here. Outside of the Ridley Gregg cross check, there was another cross checking penalty actually called. We saw the uh, the new focus that the NHL is trying to take, or at least somewhat take cross checking out of the game. Um, but I think a penalty last year that wouldn't have been called was called last night, and I loved it. It was great. I'm 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 impressed that the NHL is actually you know gonna follow up with what they said was going to be a, a key point of focus. And let's just hope that same consistency continues throughout the preseason and heading into the regular season as well. Um, one other player as well that I do want to mention, um, unfortunately on a bit of a negative note for me at least, but I was kind of hoping to see a little more out of Christian Veselainen in last night's game. Uh, I didn't think he was bad by any means, but you're just, I don't know, you're just kind of hoping to see him pop off the page a little more. And to me, he was just another guy out there. And I, I thought, you know, even peripheral roster players like Dominic Toninato stood out to me. Uh, CJ Cease with a really nice goal, had himself a good game. I think, you know, a lot of people are probably in the same camp that 
you would hope the former first-round pick, Christian Veselina, would stand out a little bit more. But again, it's just game one of the preseason. We'll see how he looks um, throughout the remainder of exhibition. Um, I do also want to give a quick shout-out, Remo, to everybody in the chat that's asking about the hair and, and what's going on. There, there's a lot of concern. Um, I think I've gotten like six hours of sleep the last two days. Uh, angry baby. My wife might have tore her ACL while oh. laying in bed. So it's just been like survival mode these past couple of days. So just no no chance I was going to put in any time and effort into doing the hair today. Um, I'm just rocking rocking the hoodie, rocking the shorts, and uh, we're just going to get through today. Uh, that, that's that's the main goal yeah. for me. Well, well done, Brandon. And one other thing we should point out, uh, there was a fight yesterday. Uh, Logan Stanley fighting uh, Austin Watson, and that's kind of a battle of surprise. But, I mean, Stanley's... We know how big he is, six foot, six foot four. Or no, is he six, six seven. seven? Sorry. Sorry, his number is sixty-four. <laughs> his, his number is sixty-four. We told him it should be uh six seven. But I mean, you, having a guy with that, you know, put a mean streak in him, uh, you have that intimidation factor out there. Um, could be could be huge. So I mean him and Dylan might be the more physical players, but I mean, I think you know, fighting in a NHL preseason game. I don't know if that's the smartest thing, but I do think you like to see him, you know, a guy who can step up uh, like that for your team when it's needed. Now fighting, again, fighting Austin Watson in a preseason game. like Yeah, you know, normally I would agree. I mean, it's more of a, a logical decision from Austin Watson to try to tangle with Logan Stanley. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not too worried about Logan Stanley handling himself. Like, the big guy is going to be just fighting. He might have... Uh, might have spared his life a little bit there by, uh, you know, just kind of wrestling him to the ground. He did the old Zidane Chara, right? Just ragged all the guy mm-hmm. until he falls over there. But a lot of people wanted to see it, Remo. I mean, a lot of people, I mean, hey, Logan Stanley is a borderline fan favorite, right? And they, I think there's a little more of a physical element that he can provide. And, you know, maybe him being a little more comfortable in his second year, we'll see him start to throw the body around a little more. But there's no doubt that with him and Brendan Dillon, a much more difficult team to go up against this upcoming year. And Brandon Dillon had himself a nice couple of hits as well. Um, yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Rebo. Yeah, and that's what we've been we've been saying too. Like the Jets needed to get, you know, harder to play against. I think Andrew Kopp said that. And uh, Dillon, um, for sure. I know Stanley uh, matures. Uh, I think, you know, you, you can see that, that factor there yesterday. One thing we do need to uh, give a shout out to is uh, what, like over just over 14,000 fans in attendance. Not... Not quite a cello, but I mean, great to see fans in the building. And we did see, I saw, you know, a bunch of guys tweeting out the new bells and whistles at uh, Canada Life Center, as it's now called. We have to get used to that. Yeah. They had the uh, the big on-ice projection system. I know Scott Billick, who's coming up, tweeted out the video. It was sort of trippy. It's like Jets logos. Like, got to be careful uh, if you have, you know, like, you know potential uh, for seizures. So looking at that thing, but uh, some new production elements there at the arena. So that's pretty cool. That was the best part of the night for me, right? Just to have fans back in there, you know, someone normal. And that place is going to be an absolute gong show for the home opener coming up in just a few weeks' time. I can't wait to see it. That, that was great. So so awesome for everybody that came down to the game. And uh, the home opener is going to be a hell of a time as well. Uh, we'll get to our first guest here in just a sec. But I do want to mention, for anybody out there, you know, with fall starting and winter just around the corner here, if you're looking... Um, for help with your battery and you need a battery expert manitoba battery at 1026 logan will be able to help you out with the best prices in town as well Uh, automotive industrial 
farm or power sports, whatever needs a battery, Manitoba Battery has you covered. And on top of that, they'll deliver it citywide as well. So call Manitoba Battery at 783-8787 or find them online at manitobabattery.com. Hockey season is here, obviously, because we're talking preseason action. And remember, Royal Sports is your ultimate hockey superstore, so get ready for the season at Royal for on the ice or in the stands with the biggest and best selection of hockey gear and fan merch for the Jets, the rest of the NHL, CFL, NFL, all that. Family owned for over 35 years in Manitoba, so visit Royal Sports at 750 Pemina Highway. And... The weekend is now in the rear view, but remember, you know, with the weekend just five days away, nothing pairs better than the great taste of Canadian club. Maybe even to get your Monday off if you're struggling a little bit like myself. Canadian club is the official spirit of the Blue Bombers and proud sponsors of Winnipeg Sports Talk. You can find Canadian club throughout IG Field at the next Bomber game or at your local Manitoba Liquor Mart. Well, uh carry on here but i i always like to i mean jets fans love to to bug the leafs and everything like that i mean playoffs is one thing but when it comes to regular season success the, the leafs have been pretty consistent at that so i was just curious the outsider's perspective if you think the leafs or the jets are the better team heading into this upcoming season no doubt the jets have a much easier path through the playoffs which is a uh, obviously a good thing looking at this from winnipeg's point of view uh didn't even get a chance to go through the western conference and, and you touched on it Remo, I think it's very likely, if not, you know, the probable thing moving forward that we probably see five teams from the Central grab playoff spots this upcoming year because the Pacific is just a complete mixed bag once you get past the Vegas Golden Knights. So, again, it's really intriguing to see where things might end up as we go through the the course of the early stretches of the regular season. Um, But Toronto's a fascinating story. Winnipeg is going to be a fascinating story as well. And even Montreal, like you mentioned, where, you know, no Shea Weber, maybe no Carey Price, but a bunch of young talent coming up there with the Habs. And we'll see if uh, the run to the Stanley Cup finals was a mirage for them or if they can go after some of the teams ahead of them in the Atlantic, like the Florida Panthers, you mentioned, which appear to be the uh, the flavor of the week of when it comes to, you know, maybe picking a, a black horse to go deep in the NHL this year. There was someone in chat saying they picked Florida and the Jets to win the uh, went to go to this Cup final. Really? So uh, I thought that was an interesting dark horse pick. You know, as far as you know, one team we're going to see on Wednesday really high expectations this year is Edmonton. You know, they got Zach Hyman. You know, he's playing with uh, with McDavid and Pulleyarvi. You know, they made they traded away Ethan Bear, brought in Duncan Keith. That is a team that's got a lot of pressure on them. I don't think you know they have what it takes to go far in the playoffs, but you know we'll we'll wait and see. Obviously, I think goalie concerns. There, you know, can Mike Smith keep uh, keep it going here this season? But I, I'm interested to see what Edmonton is going to do. Calgary, um, you know, they're kind of spinning their wheels here. You know, but in that division, you know, maybe they do end up kind of figuring things out. You know, they lost Giordano, and I think Vancouver's a mess. And uh, we'll wait and see what happens with uh, Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson. Just a couple things to watch as you go around uh, around Canada. Yeah, that's a bit of a concern, right? That your two best players are currently unsigned and you need to get them locked up to Mm long-term deals. And they don't have salary cap problems either. Everything's all rosy there in Vancouver. Uh, Just looking at the chat here, some people, I I guess, are taking issue with the fact that the Jets apparently don't have an easier path than teams out east. I don't know, man. there's, There's good teams in the west, but when you're talking about, we mentioned the Atlantic, I mean, damn near... The entire Metro division is really, really competitive. There's going to be some good teams 
missing the playoffs out of the Metro division. I get Colorado might be the best team in the NHL, but I mean, you look at what the Jets potentially could have to go through. Uh, to me, it's not really much of a debate. I, I think you'd much rather go up against the, you know, the Dallas's, the St. Louis's, as opposed to what the Islanders, the the Panthers, the Lightning. I, I it's not like it's an easy path, but it's to me much easier than going through the beast in the East. Yeah, like I think the Pacific Division is. Um... I mean, it's it, the worst division in hockey, bar none. I mean, the Jets are in a division with the Coyotes as well. I mean, you look at the. I think the East again. I agree. Uh, I think it's a. I think it's a lot tougher, as you mentioned. Uh, you know, Boston, Tampa, Carolina, Florida, and in in the West, you uh, the Jets. I think are competing with Colorado, and then I mean, we'll see. Chicago seems to be improved. They have Taves back. Got Mark Andre Fleury um, brought in. What Seth Jones as well. And I think they made, uh, who did they get? Like Tyler, Tyler Johnson. Remember Tyler Johnson? He's on Chicago now. Uh, they've made, made some moves. And um, St. Louis actually making a trade uh, on the weekend, Brandon. Right. They're trading uh, Zach Sanford, who they acquired a couple years ago in the Shattenkirk trade uh, for Logan Brown. I think there were, there was one too many Browns on Ottawa. It's too tough for the play-by-play guys. So they had to, had to trade away uh, Logan Brown. So, I think it'll be a mishmash. We'll see what happens. Um, but that, that's, I mean, that's the outlook here as we head in, you know, we're just in what week? Are we entering week two of training camp here? I guess this is, this is the second week. We're about like five days yeah. into it, I think. So, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, St. Louis is a really interesting team for me because I actually, you know, I, I wasn't a huge fan of the Sanford Brown swap, but um, Logan Brown, a former high pick from the Senators, maybe he, recaptures his uh, potential over there with the Blues. But the Buchnevich trade earlier was an absolute home run. I mean, that was a massive, massive deal for them to get a first-line talent for relatively very little. I I love the Blues group up front. Some concerns about the blue line there, but still pretty solid. And then, you know, Jordan Bennington's been a little up and down since the Blues uh, went on their Stanley Cup run. But, you know, if, if he's playing good hockey, I really like St. Louis. I think they could be it just feels like they're coming under the radar a little bit compared to, you know, teams like Chicago that you mentioned a little more splashier off seasons. I'm going to need to see a little more from Chicago, though, before I think we can start talking about them. You know, never mind challenging for a playoff spot, but being a potential contender in the West. Um, when you look out into the Pacific Division, too, uh, I, I wonder about Vegas as well. Just just from a perspective of like their defense, one of the best in the NHL. Be interested to see how much Laurent Bressois plays for the Golden Knights this year. Um, but Robin Leonard still manning the crease for them. But you look at the forward group there, and it's it's all right, right? Like, and, and the big thing for them is their center depth isn't um, isn't really anything to write home about. Maybe Nolan Patrick, the Winnipeg boy, finds uh, finds his form out there with the Knights. But I do wonder when it comes to to Vegas if you know the Jack Eichel situation eventually plays itself out down the road. If maybe they're just kind of lurking in the weeds to make the big splash and then they can, you know, go up against the the Tampa Bays and the Colorados when it comes to the postseason. Yeah, we'll see. And there was a picture I saw with Lauren Brossois looking pretty fresh in his uh in his new pad setup uh with Vegas. Um we'll see. Hey, uh, just uh, before we move on to uh Scott Billick, Brandon, do you want to touch on any of this uh what CFL news? I don't know if you saw Lucky Lucky Whitehead Okay, we got a question in chat. Lucky Whitehead was player of the week. He's having a dynamite season. We know he's on the Bombers last year, um, you know, returning kicks. 
as far as you know, usage in the pass game didn't get a ton. I think part of it was because of the quarterback play. I mean, they didn't really have anyone who could throw deep until they acquired Zach Kolaris. But I think the Bombers uh, are regretting letting Lucky Whitehead go, as you see that he has this breakout season here with Michael Riley throwing him the ball. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. Did they let him go, or was it maybe just more so lucky, knowing that there were more opportunities out there with BC? I, I don't know. I, hey, there's no doubt that the Bombers are missing him. Uh, and you know, it's interesting enough. We mentioned the return game before we uh, started the show here. I mean, he was one of the best. He was one of the best of the NFL. And then he comes up here the CFL, and he was a major impact for the Bombers there. Um, I mean, look, Lucky Whitehead would be huge to have here in Winnipeg. But at the very least, it sounds like Janarian Grant is on the up and up. He returned to practice today. The Bombers' return game has maybe been their their biggest weakness so far this season, Remo. Just not really much in terms of big plays out of the special teams in the return game. And if Janarian Grant can come back and give you a spark there, I mean, the first place Bombers get another big, big weapon in the fold. Uh, that's the positive. The negative, though, limited action for Andrew Harris at practice, so we'll have to check in and see what his status is going to be for Friday's upcoming game against BC. Yeah, and then we got a comment here um, with the, about the lucky Whitehead uh, waiters saying Lucky didn't even play for the play in the playoffs. There was no spot for him. I mean, I don't know. It's clear that the guy was talented, but as far as the receiving group, yeah, I kind of agree. I mean, you have uh, Rashid Bailey, uh, Kenny Lawler, Darvin Adams. But uh, as far as the return game, you definitely miss him there. But that guy, I mean, he's making an impact for BC. And, well, you know, speaking of lucky, we'll definitely be seeing them Friday when the Bombers head to BC. Um, That was a big game Friday, you know, going for second in the West, Saskatchewan versus BC in BCN. There was Cody Fajardo with a last-minute drive uh, taking taking the lead. And Saskatchewan now sitting second. But I still think BC very strong. But they definitely, I thought they, you know, they couldn't stop them on the last drive. And uh, was unfortunate for them, uh, you know, struggled last year. But I mean, looking pretty good. Riley, his arm looked terrible game one, and I mean, he seems to have a connection with Lucky and Brian Burnham and Shaq Cooper is running the ball real well, and their defense has been strong. That was that was a battle, and uh, we'll see about Saskatchewan. Darren Bombing uh, tweeting today about, about the Bombers. Stephen Richardson, Kyrie Wilson looking like they're nearing return. Josh Johnson and Janarian Grant are back, and then he said, adds as you mentioned, Grant looking to come off the sixth game. I mean, the return game has been an area that needs improvement as well as uh, the kicking game for the Bombers. And we'll see where that stands heading into Friday. If it's going to be Mortada, who had a rough, real rough debut, Brian, real rough debut, and or uh, the rookie Mark Leggio. I guess they're technically both both rookies. I did see some stuff online saying the Bombers need to trade Ottawa for um, Lewis Ward because he's one of the you know best kickers in the league the last couple of years. He's on an Ottawa team that's going absolutely nowhere. Similar how, you know, Calaris was on a team before, wasn't going anywhere. The Bombers traded a pick, get Calaris, take him to the Grey Cup. I mean, if you can trade and get a Lewis Ward and just fix all your problems like that, I think you got to look into it. Ottawa, I mean, they're playing tomorrow night, uh, Brandon, a two a Tuesday night Tuesday, yeah. CFL game. And it's going to be Ottawa's like third and third string quarterback. You know, they don't have Nichols or Dom Davis. And their game last Wednesday against Hamilton was an absolute disaster. I'm expecting the same thing tomorrow. They're having a miserable season. And uh, uh, if you can go and like trade, could trade a first pick for Lewis Ward, uh, I think you have to look into it, especially if you can't solve this uh, kicking issue 
internally. And it is, and you know, it's hard to bring someone in, especially bring an American because you know all these uh, quarantine rules and stuff. So yeah. I mean, a guy already in the league. I mean, what why does Ottawa need to uh, hang on to him unless you know loyalty issues? I guess. Yeah, I, I don't know the last time a kicker was traded in the CFL midseason, but I'll tell you what, and, and we'll see if people in the chat are, are down to throw down some money for this. I'm pretty sure we could start a GoFundMe page to uh, get Justin Medlock back, right? That <laughs> I think that might be our best hope as, as Bomber fans right now is try to convince Justin Medlock to get retirement sucks, come back, come save the season, please. Hey, hey maybe one of the guys finds a way to to figure things out here, but Thankfully, it hasn't burned the Bombers too bad just yet. Still mm. in first place. But yeah, special teams as a whole has been a, a major, major point of concern for Mike O'Shea and the coaching staff there. So, hey, whatever it takes, go fund me, trade. The Bombers have to find a way to get their kicking game in order. Maybe Westy can go and boot a couple field goals as well. Uh, people are, he, I think he said he was, he tweeted he was available, right? <laughs> Guy's got experience. I don't know if we're that desperate yet. No, I'm just I'm yeah. just kidding around. It's, it a it's fun to joke about it. And uh, just for the record, I, I did once upon a time, I did beat Troy Westwood in an athletic uh, competition. <laughs> so needs to be needs to be stated here. Oh, man. Yeah, it's it's never good when you're talking about Troy Westwood coming on to save the Blue Bombers kicking woes. So ho- hopefully things. Yeah. Uh, but again, gets right but again it hasn't again, it hasn't hasn't hurt them. But you yeah. know that that it can, and you saw what in the NFL yesterday. Speaking of kicking, I think we got to give a shout out, big shout out to Justin Tucker. What sixty six? Sixty six yards for a winner. I mean, uh, I don't know. It seems like nuts to even attempt that, but off the bar and in, um, pretty uh, pretty incredible. Uh, you know, you don't don't see that record being broken that often. So, uh, setting a new high for uh, for kicking there. He's a kicking, he's a god. He's, I mean, no doubt about it, Hall of Famer. And it's kind of funny, too. It's, and of course, it happens against Detroit. He actually has two 60 plus game winning field goals against the Detroit Lions. Like, I shout out to Lions fans. I'm sorry. It's, it it sucks. I I wish I could say it's going to get better. I hope it does. But man, it just, that's, that's a tough, tough way to lose. Uh, But Justin Tucker, yeah, that was a crazy story. 66 yards, three yards longer. Than the previous record long field goal in NFL history. I mean, that was just part of a wild, wild week three in the NFL, Remo. I will get to Scott Billick in, in just a second here, talking about the Jets preseason opener that lost to Ottawa, Perfetti, Hanela, all of that in just a second here. But we'll touch on NFL briefly. Um, I mean, capped off in a wild, wild Sunday nighter, a finish for the ages. Jimmy G comes down the field and looked like he gave San Fran the victory. But Aaron Rodgers doing what he does best, right? I mean, 37 seconds, no timeouts. Uh, that's too much time for A.A. Ron. And the Packers find a way to squeak out a big, big W in San Fran last night. That that might be the game of the season. We're only into week three of the year. There were some really good games. Yeah, I was. I mean, it's amazing how little time uh, that guy needs in Mason Crosby booting, booting the winner. That was a pretty incredible finish there. You thought, you know, San Francisco had completed the comeback with Juszczyk, but you know, scoring, scoring too fast. And I actually thought another team scored too fast to take a lead as well. Uh, the LA Chargers over Kansas City scored and gave Patrick Mahomes time. And, you know, normally uh, he's pretty good at making comebacks and not turning the ball over. But I think this is the most surprising thing, especially at Hustler is not here. 
But, uh, I mean, he was the one saying, oh, yeah, you're betting on the Chiefs' undefeated season. And here they are at one and two last in the AFC West. Um, they're turning the ball over, you know, not scoring points. Um, I think that's that's actually shocking to me. Uh, you know, they started the game three, you know, three drives, three turnovers, and then he had the one that sealed it at the end. Um, bit of a surprise there. And I'm kind of curious what Hustler thinks. I know he was at the Ryder Cup on the weekend. But um, that's something I think that that's what stands out to me. But we did have another what NFC championship preview. Everyone's calling it with the Matt Stafford led L.A. Rams uh, beating up on Tom Brady and the Bucks. That was I mean, some great I had some great games all day yesterday. Yeah, great games. There, there were some ugly ones as well. I saw Kenny's water bottle in the chat said, get Tothon to talk about the Bears disaster. Justin Fields had two yards of less offense than Justin Tucker's field goal went in that game. It was just a disaster for the Bears and really any rookie quarterback yesterday. All first, all, all the first-round rookie quarterbacks were just brutal. So a tough start for all those young pivots. But I don't think it's time to worry about the Chiefs just yet. I mean, they could very easily have won the past two games that they lost. I mean, look, they had three turnovers, I think, on their first three or four drives to start the game. And it still takes a lot from the Chargers, a fourth and nine to end up beating them. So I, I don't think anybody should be too worried about Kansas City just yet. And I'm sure Huss isn't too worried as well. Uh, we'll get to our next guest here in just a sec, getting back to the preseason and the Winnipeg Jets kicking off their game action last night. But do want to give a quick shout out to the crew over at Not Autocorp for their support of WST. Why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? Visit them and check out the new Winnipeg Car Lab at Waverly and McGilvery or find out more on everything Not offers online at Not.ca. WST is also brought to you by the Nick and Nikki DQ Group, including DQ Northgate, DQ Niverville, Polo Park, and St. Anne's. Squeeze a bit more out of summer and stop in for a delicious blizzard or grab a Ultimate Grill Burger, a DQ cake, whatever it is. Hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba to order your DQ ice cream cake in advance. Plus, we just talked about the NFL being back. The NHL is just around the corner. No better place to get together with friends than for the game at your local Boston Pizza Lounge. Wings, Za, a couple of schooners, and the big games always on with big sound as well. Hook up with your crew at your nearest Boston Pizza for the game tonight. The game last night saw the Winnipeg Jets in their preseason opener fall in overtime in a shootout, I guess, to the Ottawa Senators. A number of different storylines to break down. And who better to help us out with that than Scott Billick, sports reporter from the Winnipeg Suns. Scott, how is it going today, man? Yeah, it's going good. The rare lose-lose last <laughs> night. Uh, don't see that very often in uh in, in, in any hockey games with this weird kind of mandatory, I don't even know if it's mandatory, this weird, yeah, I guess it's mandatory, um, you know, shootout at the end of whatever the result is. Uh, yeah, anyways, interesting game, an interesting comment from Eric Comrie after just about, you know, you just lose a game and now I got to get in the mindset of a shootout. So I thought that was interesting too. But yeah, everything's going well. So yeah. That's good. Yeah, that's good. I mean, the, the shootout brought out a couple of interesting points and we'll get to Eric Comrie in just a sec. But, you know, maybe the first star of the game for some, Cole Perfetti capped off a pretty impressive performance with an absolute beauty in the shootout, yeah. uh, kind of following up what he did against Connor Hellebuck earlier on in Jets training camp. 
I think everyone's in agreement here. That's, you know, was it a perfect game by him by any means? But that's a really, really promising start for Cole Perfetti in his bid to at least impress uh, the front office and the coaching staff of the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and I, you know, I think Cole Perfetti has kind of been this, this, this silent, you know, he's kind of overshadowed in this camp. And, uh, you know, normally, well, in the last two years, it's been a lot of talk about the rookies, like Billy Heinle, guys like that who have come into camp, even Christian Veselin and that, because, you know, the Jets hadn't retooled their defense. They didn't have, you know, those kind of two big names that came in. So, People are more, you know, looking at well, how well is this defense going to look and that sort of thing. Cole Pavetti has been kind of this, you know, silent warrior in, in camp, and even through mini camp, he was very good. And 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 you saw, and maybe most people wouldn't have seen the shootout move, but basically what you saw on the ice last night was similar to the move that he put on Connor Hellbuck, who had, had Connor Hellbuck searching for his jockstrap after. Um, and so he, he's just he's been good. He doesn't. You know, I think the big thing is you don't notice him as much because he doesn't look out of place. You know, there's not a lot of mistakes from him. He plays the system well. And, and you know, he would have learned a little bit about that system playing with the Moose last year. Um, but he, he just picks it all up. And, you know, here's a guy with a shot, skill, moves, you know, trying to figure out, you know, a little bit of the defensive game and that sort of thing. But, yeah, he's been impressive. Uh, you know, and, and it, it, it's, it's such a boon for the Jets this season that they can send him to the American Hockey League at 19 years old, playing in the CHL. Oftentimes you'd have to go back to, well, in his case, Saginaw, and, and play there. Um, you know, Kevin Sheveldayoff said it last week when he spoke with me, or it might have been earlier this week, uh, no, last week, when he spoke with the media and, and, and talked a little bit about, you know, it almost would have kind of stunted his growth or uh, to, to send him back, stunted his development, I should say, sending him back to the OHL, given how well he kind of played in the AHL. And so... That's a big thing for him too, and and I wouldn't be surprised if you see a couple of games with him here, um, you know, before for maybe they do send him to to the AHL, and so he starts logging big minutes with the Moose. But yeah, he's certainly been impressive. And you know what? I mean, just a quick point on Perfetti there to before we move on. But you know, with how good he looked last night, let's say he continues to have a good preseason, is there a chance he gets into the game one lineup just specifically because Mark Shifley is going to be out for the opener? Yeah. Is is there any sense? Do you guys know at all what Paul Maurice is kind of leaning towards doing just for game one only with Shifley out? Yeah, I don't think Paul's going to dangle that carrot publicly, but it might be there, right? And, and you know, it, it's interesting that you say that. And I think we tend to forget that Mark Shifley is suspended for the first game of the playoffs thanks to his, his hit on Jake Evans back in – or first game of the regular season thanks to his hit on Jake Evans back in, in, in the playoffs, uh, you know, over the summer there. But – yeah, it's a good question, and I think he he could. I think he could play in that first game. Um, you know, there, there's a potential there that he could play. Uh, I don't know. I I doubt they give him that. You know, they put him right at the top line center. But if Dubois maybe goes up just for that game, or you know, somebody like that, maybe he does play a third line role if they kind of move that up. Maybe he plays a second line role just for that game. Um, I think there is a chance for him to kind of earn that that one game and see. How it goes? I, I don't think they're going to play him all season in the NHL. I, I don't think that's the plan. That's not usually how it works around here in terms of how they develop their prospects. And he just wouldn't get the playing time, I don't believe. Um, but yeah, it, it's an interesting comment. And 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 I, you know, we haven't talked about it a whole lot, you know, us in the media and that sort of thing. But I, I do think that there is certainly a potential there um, that he could play, you know, as a maybe a reward or whatever you want to call it. Um, for having such a good camp, and, he, and you know, for, we're five days in, maybe six days into it now, and and he's played. You know, he he's done everything he has been asked, and and 
it's interesting, you know, just hearing Paul Maurice talk about him. There's, you know, there's obviously things for this guy to work on. He's 19 years old and hasn't played, you know, a game in the NHL, but he's kind of, yeah, he's almost that guy where you don't always have to show him a lot of film. You don't have to kind of go, he knows it. It's the Andrew Kopp types or the Adam Lowry's where it's like, you know, they kind of already know and they just go out and kind of correct it the next time out. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. And yeah, I think that's a good, you know, it's a good comment and to think that, you know, perhaps, yeah, Perfetti could get that game to start the year. Pushing aside Ehlers, Dubois, and Cobb for a second, and and obviously Perfetti as well, were there any other Winnipeg Jets forwards last night that stood out to you, either positively or negatively? Yeah, I mean, I like I like Christian Veselainen. I think he's taken a step this, this year and, 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 you know, from last year too. I mean, I think, he, you know, he got a little bit of that taste, the taste that he needed to get. And and Paul Maurice kind of mentioned it. He's gotten to the point where he knows what not to do now, and is kind of you know kind of focused his game on on what he needs to do and 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 to play a certain way. You know, it, it's about making those simple plays. And, and Paul Maurice talked a little bit about that today. It's you know, there's so much thinking that's involved in, in in a hockey game, and sometimes you know it leads to the tendency to overthink it and make a mistake or hold on to the puck too long, not make that quick pass. The game comes so fast at these guys, and, and a lot of them have talked about that, especially at the NHL level. It's almost like Christian's now, you know, gotten that he's accepted what he needs to do to be succeed in this game, and I think he's getting a little bit more chances, just a little more confidence, I suppose, um, with the puck. Uh, and, and also, I thought Jonathan Harkins was good. You know, Jonathan Harkins often has a really good camp, and it doesn't always translate into the regular season. Um, but you know, you just saw him with that goal with, with, with Dubois last night and the kind of, uh, I, I guess you call it a little tic-tac-toe. They're playing really kind of com- compact there to get that goal. Um, you know, I, I think that's just, that, that, that's the game he needs to play. Um, I, I don't know if Sveshnikov, if Genny Sveshnikov kind of did everything they could. I thought he's had a good camp so far. Not so sure he had the best game last night. Um, there, he was on the power play for a little bit and, and they tried to work a play where, um, a, a defenseman gets him the puck in space on the left side and he's able to rip a shot or look for the stick in front to try and get the tap in. Um, so, you know, he, he's picking up the system here. Um, I'd like to see him in a couple more games and I think, we'll, you know, we will. I mean, I think they're you know, relatively high on, on Svechikov. They're give, there's, a, there's a leash there for him, former first-round pick. Um, so, yeah, you know, I think I would like to see a bit more out of him. On the back end, I thought Billy, you know, we've talked a lot about Billy Heinola, um, you know, over the past several years here since he was drafted um, and, you know, how good he's been, how good he could be. Um, I thought he actually had a, a pretty poor game last night. You know, he kind of gets turnstiled there by 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 uh, Ridley Greg, Greg, I believe it is, um, on the goal. And it, just, it, it just wasn't there for him. But, you know, I expect him to kind of get there. It's been a while since Billy's played, you know, a lot of you know meaningful hockey games, and uh, I thought there was a bit a bit of rust there from him last night. But you know, other than that, you know, I thought Brendan Dillon was 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 physical last night. So there there was there was good things. I mean, when you're playing such a young you know, kind of rookie kind of lineup like you were last night, um, you know, I, yeah, I thought some of these guys did stand out and 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 played well. Yeah, I thought Jonathan Kovacevic was a, yeah. an under-the-radar guy that did himself really well in that game, and I'm intrigued to see what he can do yeah. with more game action here. Uh, but you mentioned Brendan Dillon there. Um, just talk about, I mean, it was pretty evident watching the game. Oh, boy, this is uh, 
This is big a new boy. element. Yeah, big boy, mountain big man. Boy. The, the Jets yeah. haven't had this, you know, for a long time here. And I, I've got really, really high hopes for Pionk and Dylan as a pairing for this upcoming season. Might end up being this team's top pairing. But uh, just yeah. how has he looked so far in camp after a, a noteworthy day one? And uh, is, is the coaching staff as high as it seems like everybody else is on Brendan Dillon? Well, and that, that's sort of the thing, right? Day one takes a run at Shifley, and they have a bit of history. But I know that that wasn't why he did it um but you know and then then christian Veselinen, which kind of perked the ears of adam lowry who, who seemed to want to get a piece of brendan dillon after he he drilled Veselinen kind of behind the net i mean i say drill it, it, it's not a you know a dustin bufflin mark stone hit that happened but you know it, it was you know it was, it was a bit of a wake-up call i think for both of them and sort of set a tone right i mean we always think a training camp is you, you, maybe you take it a little easy as guys kind of get back into it and that sort of thing. And, and I, and I don't think that that was the case from day one. And, and since then it's kind of been like that where, you know, Brendan Dillon is a physical boy, big guy back there. I think we saw that last night. Um, you know, he tried to lay a couple hits out and was successful on, on, on one of them. I think it was on Alex Formanton, I, I believe. And uh, you know, that's the type of grit, I suppose. I mean, I know a lot of people don't like that word, but they kind of sandpaper, whatever you want to call it on the back end. But he also brings the skill, right? It, it's not one or the other. It's not like, you know, a, a big defenseman, but can't really move the puck. No, Brendan Dillon can do both. Big defenseman, physical, can lay a hit, can move the puck um, and, and clear out the front of the net. I, I think that's a huge thing the Jets have missed in the last couple of years, ever since, you know, the mass exodus of a few seasons ago. Um, and so, yeah, you know, Brennan Dillon is bring a lot. We haven't seen Nate Schmidt yet with Josh Morrissey, but they've also looked good in camp. There's such a complimentary kind of style there for those two. Nate Schmidt is so good in the transition game, and he's shown that in some of the scrimmages and little drills that they've done. Um, there's a lot to be look for, and I think the Pionk, you know, I think we look at Neil Pionk as this small guy, but if we remember back to last season, I mean, at one point he was leading this team in hits before Adam Lowry kind of, kind of took that over again and so you know I, I think there's a physical pairing those two um and both you know good puck moving defensemen who are going to very much help this team on the back end uh, it, it unlocks so much for this team um you know when it comes to the forwards when it comes to um you know just i'm not saying that they're not the forwards aren't gonna have to play defense as much this year but they will, but it just it you you play defense further up the ice, and the Jets have been spent the last two years playing a lot of defense in their own zone, hemmed in their own zone at times um, for lengthy periods of time. I, I don't see you're going to see that this year. Um, yeah, Brendan Dillon has, has looked solid. He looks ready to go. I think Nate Schmidt has too, and he and Nate Schmidt and Brendan Dillon they kind of combine to bring that that Dustin Bufflin element of you know being goofy off the ice, even on the ice at times. And, and physical uh, at the same time. And uh, yeah, I, I think we're, I think Jets fans are going to be quite pleased once they see, you know, kind of the, the tops or the six defensemen that are going to start the season. I believe Logan Stanley will be in that spot and also bring in that physical element that we saw last night again as well. Um, yeah, it, it, it's a much look different looking defense and it's a lot bigger. You know, myself and some people in the chat are kind of reminiscing about that play you mentioned, the Bufflin hit on Stone yeah. a few years ago. I, I'll still maintain to this day that 
at least live, but maybe in any any event, that was the hardest I've ever seen anybody get hit in my life. Yeah. And I'll never forget that sound because unfortunately I've you know hit a couple people with my car, hit a couple cars <laughs> with my own car, but it sounded like a car accident. I just yeah. I'll, I'll never forget that. And it blows my mind that Mark Stone basically was able to leave. He missed a couple of games, I think, but no major injury there. But the buff hit on Stone, my God, oh. that was something special. And and it, it just like it, you you see those those hits sort of well I don't maybe that hits kind of an anomaly it's sort of like Scott Stevens on on Paul Correa where it's like it's so devastating that both teams are like holy crap like <laughs> what just happened right like that was a train wreck of a hit and but you know I think it's it's that physicality that kind of galvanizes a team uh, and, and you know it galvanizes the fans I mean you know the game last night. 14,625 fans in the building. It's the first time in 566 days that, well, pretty much essentially a full house was was inside that. I know we had 500 healthcare workers for the, for each of the two playoff games, but you know, that atmosphere, I mean, you know, those hits, I mean, when Brendan Dillon laid out, again, I I believe it was Formington, you know, the crowd got excited when, when Logan Stanley dropped the mitts with, uh, I think it was Hetherington there, another big boy on, on, on Ottawa, that, you know, again, got people going. I, I think the players and and they've talked about it quite a bit. I mean, just having that 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 fan kind of interaction again and, and seeing that that's a big thing. And I and and this town, you know, was lucky to have Dustin Bufflin play for such a long time, be so physical and be that guy who would you know go into scrum and both of his hands taking two guys out of it and that sort of thing. I think they're you're going to get back to that sort of thing with 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 Logan Stanley with Brendan Dillon. There's going to be a lot more of that, you know, that that, that physical edge that that that, that kind of gets the the crowd going. So yeah, it's yeah, it's going to be an interesting season. I, I'm really looking forward to kind of you know how the fans and and all that kind of interact again with, with everything. It's been feels like it's been so long since we've seen it. I'm, I remember watching the playoff. I'm going on a tangent here. I remember watching Las Vegas versus Colorado last year, and they had both their buildings were full, and kind of just watching how like incredible that 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 sound, that atmosphere was again. And so, yeah, it's it's going to be a good year, and, and I think you know that that physical edge is going to bring a lot to you know to 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 kind of you know amp up the the, the fans and and also the team as well. Scott Billick of the Winnipeg Sun joining us on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily, talking Jets preseason action, the opener against the Ottawa Senators, Scott. It, it may be he may end up being the most contentious name heading into the season on the Winnipeg Jets. And a lot of people in the chat so far early in this show having concerns and questions about Eric Comrie giving up yep. three goals in the loss, some in the shootout as well. Some debate as to whether or not he was at fault for any of those. Um, what did you make of his debut? And I, I guess just where he's at heading into this massive, massive year for both him and the Jets. Yeah, I mean, I would I would probably pin the second goal on him. The first goal was pretty nice. I mean, you know, Billy Heinle was beat with the kind of through the legs off the skate and then the backhand. That was a nice goal. And then Shane Pinto's overtime winter winner was also very good. Um, There there hasn't been a lot of fans that have come out to watch. I thought Eric Conry has actually looked pretty good in in training camp. And I I understand, like I get, I'm not trying to start a fire in the comment section here, Um, but like, I, I get it. Like not a lot of NHL experience. And the NHL experience that he's had has been, you know, less than optimal. I understand that. Let's also take a step back here and and, and just realize that for the last two seasons, a lot of his starts, you know, Detroit, uh, you know, New Jersey, he's not playing for great teams either. 
um, kind of spot duty, kind of like, here, we need you to go in because we're injured or whatever it is, and we don't have a good team in front of you, so you're just going to take a shelling and any any as in those games. I, I think, you know, it, it is, it, it, there is a worry, and I get that. There, there's a worry within, you know, the fan base. I, I think there's probably some worry within the organization because of just the way the cap works is here. It, it's difficult to have somebody that paid even more than what Comrie's making right now. Um, but I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not sounding the alarm just yet. I, I thought there was a couple saves last night. One of them was sprawling save makes the right pad, uh, gets the right pad out and then stops a goal. It's there for Conry. I thought he was, you know, early on, he made a few, you know, quick saves early on to kind of get himself into that game. Um, I didn't think he really buckled after, uh, after Grieg's goal to start the game and then and made it some saves and the Jets got, you know, eventually took the two, one lead. The second goal, like I said, the one from Foreman in there that, that, that tied it probably would like that one back and could have. And the overtime goal, I, I blame just as much of the defense on that goal. And it almost seemed a little lazy at times on that as I do, you know, anything else because the shot was perfect. It was a great shot. Um, you know, Eric Connery said he'd get back to me. It was one of the, uh, very rarely do players take rain checks on, on getting back to, to reporters and stuff. He hasn't gone back to me yet about, you know, what he saw on the goal, but I will ask him eventually if he forgets. But yeah, I, I thought, I, I didn't think it was a tire fire. I think people are expecting that. Like, you know, people are expecting a tire fire. And so, you know, when you see three goals against the guy and, and you know, what was pretty well contested game, I thought, um, yeah, you're, you're almost looking for it. And when it happens, you're like, oh, okay, well, there it is, you know? And I, I don't think that, you know, give the guy, uh, you know, a couple more games. I think he'll get one, uh, well, I think he's getting. I don't think Connor Halbuck. So Connor Halbuck might play t- on Wednesday night. He won't be on the road trip. So Comrie and Burden will probably play in the back-to-back this coming weekend. So, um, you know, let, let's see what he does. Let, let's see how he does. I, you know, I assume in Edmonton, if he plays there in Edmonton, he's probably going to see Connor McDavid or at least Leon Dreisaitl and, and maybe a bit more a veteran-heavy kind of Edmonton team when he gets his next start. Maybe that that's the case in in Vancouver too. Um, but no, I'm not ready to, you know, kind of pull the plug on Eric Comrie just yet. I, I think this guy's spent his whole off season trying to, you know, be ready for this moment. And the last, what, eight years now with the organization since he was drafted. And I think oh, it was, was 2012 that we're going back to maybe even nine years. Um, you know, th- this is his moment. And if you, if his career wants to be in the NHL going forward, he's got to take advantage of the, you know, 15 to however many games he gets this season, you know, uh, you know, behind behind Connor Hellebuck, but yeah, until I see him, you know, in in, in a bigger game, and, and and he said himself that he's a bit of a slow starter, um, so he's got to get a couple of these games in to kind of just get in there. But he also understands that he doesn't have all that time. Like the leash is likely short here, especially if the Jets are a good team, as you know, as good as they look on paper. If they're that good on the ice, the Jets are going to have to make a decision at some point if they're going to have to go out and find a. Anton Forsberg, like last night, who has been in this organization before, somebody like that to back up Hellebuck. But I don't think it's that time yet to kind of, you know, to relate, raise those alarm bells. Let's see how he gets through his next start and then start making, you know, kind of maybe judgment calls from there. Yeah, it's so tough because there really just isn't that much time. And yep. it's pre the preseason. Open. I, I, I feel for him. I hope he has a, a, a real, real good season for the Jets. I mean, everybody yeah. loves him in the locker room, too, by the sounds of it. Super nice kid. Sure. Um, but yeah. there's no doubt that, you know, the backup goalie spot for the first time in a few seasons is uh, 
way more under the microscope and a lot of pressure there, no doubt. Um, do you want to get to the the no doubt about it, NHLers that had a pretty good performance last night? The main thing is, thank God they're all healthy somewhat yeah. moving forward. <laughs> but um, Dubois, Ehlers, and Kopp, how did yeah. you think they looked? Didn't didn't seem to be a whole lot of rust either for it being their first game action. And I guess what are your expectations for those three if that's the second line hitting into the season? Yeah, first of all, I like the line if that's it going to the season. I like the idea that Andrew Kopp has been given that expanded role on the second line. And, and, and you know, the biggest knock against Andrew Kopp anytime he's been moved up into the top six is that, he, you know, he has a lot of skill everywhere except when it comes to finishing. Um, so I think that's going to be the, you know, the biggest thing to watch in, in, the, in the games going forward because there's always that threat of, you know, they, they can just put Paul Stasny up there and go back to what they know in Wheeler, and, or sorry, in, 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 in Kopp and Lowry uh, on, on that third line. But, you know, we saw this line a little bit last year. They played together for a little bit. I think there's some chemistry there in terms of, you know, those guys just playing together. I, I think it's working well. And here's the thing that they didn't have last season. They didn't have Dubois in camp. They barely had a camp at all anyways. Um, and and now they're kind of getting it. Dubois kind of turned the page on last year. Um, you know, Nikolai Ehlers is Nikolai Ehlers, which is, which is huge for, for the Jets. I mean, you know, they need him to keep going at the pace that he was on last year. It, it, it was huge in, 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 in the absence of, you know, Patrick Liney being gone. Nikolai Ehlers picked up a lot of the pace in terms of, you know, scoring production and those sorts of things. So, and then Andrew Kopp, I mean, I thought he's looked good. He's looked good on that line. I thought they looked good last night. They've looked good in all of the drills that they've done. Um, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see because part of these lines that they've kind of put together, the Palm Race, I'm not so sure, sure how much I buy into the fact that these aren't just, you know, versions of the power play that they've kind of put together. I think these are the, the, the lines that, that they're looking at. And, you know, I, I at this point, Cop and Dubois and 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 Ehlers are still playing together. So I think the coaching staff also likes what they see. So you know, all those things are kind of it tells that it is going well. And from my you know whatever, I'm not a coach or anything like that. But from what I've seen, these guys have have they have some chemistry together. They they just kind of get that. And then, so there's been so many of these training camps where Paul Maurice has sat there and he's he's got this this group of forwards that he's trying to put here and there and trying to figure out what works. And I want to look at all these combinations this year. It seems because they kind of know what they have in the, you know, the top nine, at least um, it, there's this chance to build some, some chemistry, have them together consistently. And I think, you know, look around the NHL, there's a lot of good lines out there that have played well together for, for a while. And the Jets have lacked that in years, whether it's injury or, or whatever it is, just not enough skill guys, not ready to take that step, whatever it might be. Um, but yeah, I think if you, you know, we saw it, obviously Dubois scored, um, you know, Nikolai is look good. They both survived scares there, um, with, with the respective, well, one was a cross check to the face. Um, Ehlers was a penalty on Ehlers and he said himself, it was, it's funny. He, he kind of turned it to, he's like, yeah, that was a penalty. Like it was just, he, he said, the quote was, I don't know what I was thinking, which is vintage Ehlers on, on, when it comes to, you know, when he makes a mistake, kind of that self-deprecating stuff, but yeah. I think those guys are just ready. I think they're they're ready. I think they're playing well together. And I think, you know, every day they're kind of building, you know, getting that base of chemistry and kind of building on that the foundation that kind of started last year, but has really had a chance to practice together and, and grow um, uh, since this training camp started last week. 
One last one here for you, Scott. Uh, preseason action continues for the Jets in the middle of the week. Yeah. What do you expect out of that one? Is there anything you're looking forward to? Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what, what – uh, I'm assuming Mark Shifley's line will play. I'm interested – you know, there's been always talk, why don't they break up, you know, Shifley and Wheeler and all that oh, really? stuff. And we, we've, all, we've all heard it, right? And uh, Blake Wheeler's look good in camp. Um, you know, obviously he doesn't have busted up ribs and all that stuff right now. Um, it's also camp. It's the start of the season. We haven't gotten into the grind yet where, you know, an older guy will get tired a little quicker. But, um, again, those guys just look – I mean, it, it's just – I don't know what you want to call it. it, it they're, they're just – they they read off each other so well. And, I, like, I understand that there's times where it's like, well, you know, their defense isn't great and that sort of thing. Might not have to be the case. This might be back to, you know, the 2017 or early 2018-19, um, you know, top line where, you know – they weren't always needed necessary, you know, to play as, as such a defensive game as they had to over the past two years. I'm not saying they're not going to have to do that, but you might be able to open up the taps a little bit more on the forward aggression, on the offensive zone aggression, and that sort of thing without burying as much because of your, you know, your bolstered, you know, defensive corps. That that you, yeah. So it, I, I think I'm, I wanted to see that. Uh, I'm interested to see kind of who else plays. It's going to probably be a little more veteran laden lineup tomorrow because most of the vets won't be going on the road. Um, and so that'll be kind of the first game where you probably see, once we see the, the roster finally, probably going to see Josh Morrissey and Nate Smith, Schmidt in that game. Really interested in seeing how that pairing is kind of coming together. They, again, they look good in training camp so far. Really interested in seeing what that kind of looks like against another team where it's it's it, it's a little different. Um I, I'm really interested in Nate Schmidt's transition game, like I said earlier. Uh, so seeing that. And, and then more of, you know, I assume Christian Veselin gets another game. I could be wrong. We could see. But I, I think we'll see maybe more of the, the Stasny-Lowry and, and that line. So give them a go and a bunch of ice time to see how that works. Um, so I, I think you're going to see a better kind of version of the Jets, um, you know, just based on who's not going on the doublehead. Uh, you know, the back-to-back trip this weekend. And, uh, you know, they won't play until, I don't know, is it Tuesday or Wednesday next week from that? So at that point, uh, you know, it sounds like after the weekend, there'll be some cuts made, chop down the roster a little bit to kind of get it more and then start, you know, getting the veterans a little bit more time. But yeah, so, but I am interested to see kind of some of these more veteran lines. And I think there'll be two of them on Wednesday and, and kind of what they should look like start season, barring any sort of injury or whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that and, and kind of seeing where at some point where David Gustafson is also going to, um, fit into this lineup. Uh, it, it, he's had a, I think he's had a decent camp, but it's almost like he's kind of on that periphery of the fourth line still. Um, so it'd be interesting to see that too. Uh, I don't know if we'll see that as much, uh, on, on, on Wednesday, but, but we might, uh, it just depends on how many vets Paul Maurice kind of wants to put out against what should be a you know, a rookie kind of lineup uh, heading here from Edmonton, I would, I would imagine. So, Well, we'll look forward to that, and we'll look forward to more of your great work with the Winnipeg Suns. Scott, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Yeah, appreciate it, Brandon. Yeah, doing well in the uh, in the host chair. Uh, with oh, us, us gone to the, uh, the Ryder Cup and all that. We're all jealous. So, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. Typical Huss living yeah, everyone's dream life. Right. Well, thanks again for stopping by today, Scott. Yeah, anytime, guys. Thanks. Awesome. Scott Billick again from the Winnipeg Sun, helping us break down Jets training camp in the preseason opener for the club last night.
Uh, do you want to give a quick shout out here before we get back into it with the main man, Michael Remus? Uh, but Little Brown Jug uh, has a great deal to finish up the summer and get the fall going as well. Pick up a Summer Good Times variety pack online at littlebrownjug.ca or in the tap room and automatically receive a $5 gift card. No limits to how many someone can purchase and receive, and the gift cards have no expiry date as well. This promotion continues while quantities on the Summer Variety Pack last, so make sure you grab one quick. Find out more at the LBJ Tap Room on William Avenue or online at littlebrownjug.ca. Also, live racing may be over for the year, but Assiniboia Downs remains open seven days a week with VLTs, off-track betting, and great food from the Terrace Dining Room as well. VLTs open daily at 9 a.m. and reservations are available now for weekend dining. For more information, head over to asdowns.com. Well, Remo, just checking out the chat here, and it does feel like Eric Comrie is kind of the uh, the main topic of discussion here. And I'm seeing, too, some some numbers being thrown about, about, you know, how many games should Connor Hellebuck be playing this year? How many games should we see Helly start it's a really fascinating debate because on top of him potentially playing 55, 60 plus games this year, he's the likely starter for Team America. If the Olympics eventually do happen, you have the travel across the world, all that. It puts so much emphasis on the back of position being solid and steady for the Jets this year. And we'll see how long the leash is going to be for Eric Comrie. It's, it's short according to some fans out there, but I have to think he'll get a handful of NHL games at least before maybe a further decision is made. But do you have a, do you have a take about how many games we would like to see Connor Hellebuck play this upcoming season? Yeah, I mean, if I had to guess, I think it's going to be between 60 and 65 games. That seems to be where they want to go. And, I mean, when you add in the Olympics, and he could be the starter for Team USA, um, you add, add on a couple more. I don't know, five, six more there, depending on how far they go. Um, and so we'll see. So the backup's playing like 20 games. And look, I mean, it's it's quite possible that they decide during the preseason, you know what, it's not going to work. And some goalie gets put on waivers and they pick him up. As you mentioned, Anton Forsberg, I bounced around three teams. I think he's the starter ahead of uh, Matt Murray right now, who's their big free agent signing uh, in Ottawa. And that one hasn't hasn't worked out. So, uh, look, I'm, I think it, it's uh, an area of concern. But if that's your biggest concern, I think you... You're doing. You're in good shape, and I think it's an area that you can fix, uh, fix easily. So I'm not going to get up in arms, but it's something that we're going to be monitoring, as you know, we're monitoring everyone else's uh, play during the preseason. So uh, let's wait and see. Wait and see. We actually, uh, Brandon, during that segment, we did have some NHL news uh, come out. Uh, key dates for the 21-22 calendar. Chris Johnston putting this out there. Okay. Um, the trade deadline. So mark this on your calendar right now. Trade deadline, March 21. Uh, I guess that would be after, right, you know, three weeks after uh, the Olympic break. And I'm trying to think what day of the week it is. So you know, I'll stay over here. That is a Monday. That is a Monday. Ooh. And I don't think the Jets are playing that day. They play the Sunday, the 20th, against the Blackhawks. And then on the 22nd, uh, they're hosting uh, Vegas. Um, the first day of the playoffs, May 2, if you're looking to schedule your playoff really? drafts. Yeah, because wow. well, everything gets pushed back a month because they're not playing in February. So everything is going to kind of be different. Okay, last possible day of the of the playoffs, uh, June 30. 
which again, because oh man, yeah, yeah, and then um, so the first buyout period opens July one. The NHL draft July seven eight, and then the first buyout period ends July twelve, and then free agency is July thirteen. Let me think what they had it. So yeah, so that's everything's kind of coming together crazy yeah. like it did this past off season, right? Like there's just not going to be a whole lot of downtime for maybe a few years, right? Until everything hopefully gets back to normal sometime soon. I hope it doesn't. I don't want uh, July one free agency anymore. It's <laughs> stupid. Give me my. Um, I enjoyed my my day off with family. It's like oh July yeah. one. Sorry, I got to go into work. Uh, guys are signing hockey contracts, so I enjoyed. I enjoy, and I think a lot of other people would en- enjoy too not having it on July one. I I mean I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe everyone else in chat enjoys you know doing whatever they're doing and paying attention to the signings on their phone, but. Um, yeah, it happened. The cup's done. The drafts right away, and then free agency. So, and then I, I guess we'll see when. The, I'm sure the season will start October. They'll try to get back to as early October, maybe October sixth or so. So we do have, uh, we do have the, the schedule of the NHL's key dates. Happy to have those. Beauty, yeah, and we'll keep an eye out for uh, March 21st when the Winnipeg Jets trade a third round pick as they go on a deep playoff run to try to grab some reinforcements there. Um, really? just if, you're, if you're looking that far ahead, I, I think, the, I mean, the first is in play, and we've talked about trading, uh, you know, Hanela Sandberg as well. I mean, we'll see where they are and what they need, but, I mean, uh, they're they're going for it here, so we'll see what, what uh, although they've, and they, but they have traded away, as you said, like uh, two seconds a and a third. Seconds, yeah, yeah, I mean, oh, boy. Well, we'll have to see. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here. We just finished game one of the preseason. No, but I mean, Chevy he hasn't been uh, he hasn't been scared to pull the trigger when mm-hmm. he thinks his team's got a shot. Uh, they should have their first round pick for this upcoming draft, so it it could be in play. We'll see what the potential holes might be. Um, I mean, hey, backup goalie might be one of those spots heading into the trade deadline. So. It sets up for for a pretty fascinating ride there. Plus, we've seen you know the Lightning in their um, first of two Stanley Cups kind of just broke the bank and threw everything they could to try to uh, to get that first one, trading a couple of first round picks, and it ended up paying off for them. So we'll see if other teams get more aggressive as we move on later into the year. Yeah. Um, some other NHL news we should get to, Remo. Uh, this is a, uh, I, I guess this is just the the days and times that we live in here, um, but just a bizarre story. Out of New Jersey, right? I don't have the player's name in front of me, but a 23-year-old prospect has decided to call it quits. He's retiring to pursue a career as a social media influencer. I guess he's trying to be a trailblazer here, but I just, I don't know about you, man. I hear social media influencer and it's just, There's there's no more cringier term than social media influencer. But you brought up a great point. Couldn't you just do both? Like, how much work has to go into being a social media influencer? This was the story, yeah. Russian, uh, was he, forward Nikita Papugev. He's uh, nice. he's retiring from hockey. He's 22. Uh, he's played for some teams in the KHL. He's got, like, 22K followers on Insta. He's like, I'm just going to do this now. I don't – I hate hockey. I'm done with hockey. <laughs> I guess you could do both. I don't know. Don't, don't bash influencers. I think – isn't that where we're basically we've now turned into uh Winnipeg Jets and Winnipeg Hot Sports YouTubers. So it's 
very valid career. Uh, Brandon, YouTuber very, is okay. very necessary. Influencer is where I draw the line. I th- that that term just bugs me for some reason. I hope, hey hey man. I mean, I, I I respect the hustle, but there's just something. It's just a gross word. I really really don't like social media influencers. But hey, we'll see if that's a trend here. Twenty two k is a pretty good start on Instagram. So good for uh, good for the former Devils prospect, I guess. Um, we should get to actually um, as we head towards the end of the show here. Um, our cool bet lines, cool bet lines of the day. Um, so just a reminder too, you can get a one hundred percent bonus on your first deposit up to two hundred dollars at coolbet.com by using promo code WST. Uh, week three in the NFL comes to a close tonight. Remo, an NFC East division battle, a big one between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys. Um, not a huge line in that game as well. Should we uh, tangle with Eagles Cowboys for our uh, one of our cool bet lines of the day today? Yeah, I'm not sure. Where I'm leaning. I guess I'm leaning Cowboys. I think. I mean, they played uh, Chargers pretty well last week. Yeah. Eagles. I'm not so sure about about them but i i'll take you know the three and a half maybe maybe half a point too many makes that halfway makes me uncomfortable division matchup you know it's going to be tight i think i think i would lean cowboys there but uh not feeling not feeling great about it but i think you know all these primetime games have been pretty good i mean i can look at uh i was like looking at like the receiving props what cooper 72 and a half cd lamb seven i mean the cooper on primetime, I would maybe lean lean on, on the over there. Oh, you saw me rocking the uh, the Eagles cap here. I'm going to go oh, Philly. I'm going to go birds. I'm going to go birds all day here. Uh, but it's going to be a hell of a matchup. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a battle for first place, actually, in the NFC East. So a lot on the line here today. Um, a lot on the line in, in Major League Baseball. Man, is this ever a absolutely massive week upcoming for the Toronto Blue? I mean, their playoff hopes are on the line here. And uh, this upcoming series against the New York Yankees is the biggest one of the season for them, obviously, right there in the chase for one of those two wildcard spots. Uh, I mean, the Jays coming off a sweep of the Yankees a little while ago. They'll try to do the same here. I believe that one gets started on Tuesday. Yes. Uh, but I see her, I see her rocking the, uh, the Mariners ball cap there, Remo. Um, maybe Seattle, one of your cool bed lines of the day. Who are the Mariners going up against? I don't. I don't buy. Uh, I don't buy right. Seattle. I mean, you look at the red yeah. differential. I don't know how they're still doing this. Um, but hey, they're in there. They're two games back. We have the standings here on the screen. The Jays one game back, and again they got three against the Yankees, and then a couple against uh, Baltimore. So I think those are. I mean, those are going to be the games in Boston too. So we could, and there is a scenario where we could have a three-way tie. Um, for first, and what wouldn't that be something? So, so is that is that like the play in to the play in? I'm not sure what the tiebreaker is, uh, but I yes, saw say, it is definitely possible. Um, I'm, I don't know. It's possible that they have a that they have a three way tie, but um, we got Hunjin Ryu starting uh, Tuesday, Jose Barrio starting Wednesday, and Robbie Ray uh, starting Thursday. And so Arash Madani is saying Barrios would play game 163 if there is a necessary tiebreaker. And then you have the one-off wild card. I mean, that's on October 5th if they make it that far for um, Robbie Ray. So they seem to be set up here to get in, but it's going to be... I mean, you've got to play the games, but uh, 
Yeah, they're they're a game back. So uh, that is, if you haven't tuned into the Jays all year, I mean, this is basically like the playoffs to get into the playoff, which is yeah. to get in to get yeah. into the the main real playoffs because that one game wild card like is basically a play in game. No doubt, man. I, I, hey, <laughs> hearing Robbie Ray on the mound for the series finale, it's kind of like if you split the first two, you're feeling pretty good about Robbie Ray in the finale. I, have, have you guys touched on how tight his pants are? I just He's having a Cy Young caliber year, but my God, can someone get him just like, I? hey, I live with tight pants, you know, with, with my thighs here. I, I get it, but it's just like, dude, is it comfortable pitching in those? Uh, I mean, it's obviously, it's working. I think it's, I, haven't, I haven't talked about it too much, but yeah, definitely, a, definitely a topic. So, uh, I gotta say, Ryan Friesen in the chat says, "Go Yankees!" Down with anything Toronto? Well, I mean, I appreciate the keeping the hate on for anything Toronto, but man, I thought the Blue Jays were. I thought everyone in Canada was all in on the Jays, especially against the Yankees. So I, I don't know about that one. Yeah, right. I I hate the Yankees, so uh, I'll I'll cheer for the Jays. And I'm here. My team is uh, Seattle, but uh, I can get get behind the Jays. They're they should be they should have this spot locked up, but uh, sadly they they do not. And we're in for a real fun last week of the season. You know, Tampa clinching, White Sox clinching, and Houston almost has that has that one as well. Yeah, it's going to be a hell of a race. Can't, can't wait to yeah. check that one out. Would love to see the Jays back at the playoffs. Would love to see what Vladdy Jr. has in store in his uh, potential postseason debut. This is a fun team, man. I, I've been kind of out on baseball for, for a few years, just just not really loving the way that Major League Baseball has been trending. But I've caught you know my fair share of Jays games this year, and I, I've, I've enjoyed it, man. This is, if, it ends, if it ends without a playoff spot, that's too bad, but it's been a fun ride at least. And there's definitely set up to be a major, major force moving forward. Yeah, I, uh, I couldn't agree more. And we do have, uh, I want to look at the CFL line, see if we have any lines for the Bomber game on Friday. We do not have that, but we do have a line. Edmonton favored by seven against Ottawa, who's out there first starting. Was I bet it yesterday at six and a half. Uh, I saw nice. some people on Twitter being like, like, Ottawa is not not a good team. They're down to their third string quarterback here. And uh, nice of the CFL to have these, you know, Tuesday and Wednesday. You know, last week was a Wednesday game. This week it's a Tuesday game with, like, Ottawa in both of them, who is not a watchable team. So, <laughs> Yeah, um, maybe they knew something we didn't, right? <laughs> yeah, like, last last week, like, I was like, Ottawa against Hamilton, like, I... I'm going to pass. I've watched the Friday games, Toronto, Montreal, which was great, uh, exciting. And um, what was the other one? The, uh, the Actually, the good one was the BC Saskatchewan game. That game went down to the wire. So we do have a, a couple games this week as we enter. Like, we're at halfway point of the CFL season, so uh, watch those. And if you want to see Grey Cup odds, Bombers, they're the favorite, then Saskatchewan, then Toronto. BC actually is... I think that's actually a value. Surprisingly low on the list. Yeah, they're surprisingly they're they're lower. Um, yeah, man, I but, wonder what that line's going to be Friday night. I think you know, even on the road, you would think the Bombers are favored by a by a couple of points at least. But that's going to be a, a pretty stiff test. Although so far so good for the Bombers, they've been able to take down the Riders back to back weeks. We'll see what mm-hmm. is in store when they go up against those BC Lions. Yeah, week nine. Yeah. Oh, but I did see they the I was gonna say let's guess the lines, but if this has happened to me before, CFL.ca has the Bet Regal lines on their site. Uh so they have the bombers minus five against BC. Ooh. So we'll see what Cool Bet does. And then uh Hamilton 
hosting Montreal minus five. I don't. I mean, I don't know who's on quarterback for Hamilton, but uh, I would probably take Montreal. I think, although Vernon Dame Dave has been questionable, and Saskatchewan favored two and a half according to Bet Regal uh, in Calgary. In Calgary, they've been they're on they're on the list. Like Bo Levi Mitchell, he's injured in playing. He's on the bench. Mayor's coming and looking good. Then, oh, Bo's healthy. He looks good one game. Looks terrible the next game. I don't know uh, what to make of what to make of Calgary. So I'm very, uh, very confused. Oh, Paulie says we're doing CFL DK. Uh, the tomorrow's game isn't on the slate, so I'll I'll make a thing for Fridays uh, for Friday contest. Awesome, awesome, yeah. yeah. And I mean, Bombers minus five is that's I love the respect they're being shown. That's a big number. I, I don't know. I'll, I'll have to think about that one a little bit more if I'd be willing to lay a, a couple dollars on the Bombers minus five. But that's, that's a lot. That's on a the, lot of points. On the road, I like Montreal. They've been good, man. And we talked about Lucky Whitehead before. So, uh, well, I mean, their offense has been good. Defense has been very solid as well. So uh, we will see. Um, one other thing that we, we should touch on before we head out, you brought this uh, to my attention, uh, but NBA Media Day today, and um, not sure I expected David Letterman to be uh, to be in the news, but um, he, he ended up asking a question to Kevin Durant, right? Yeah, I mean, I can play it here. I got this right now. Thanks to the Brooklyn Nets for putting this one out. David Letterman uh, bombing, bombing the uh, the thing. Oh, wait, you won't be able let me let me just set this up so you can you can hear it. Hold on. Yeah, yeah, David Letterman getting the chance to ask Kevin Durant a question. And, um, yeah, I don't know if he, if he wasn't prepared or if this is part of a bit for him. But uh, pretty pretty funny debut as a as a media member for David Letterman. Yeah, I don't know what he's up to anyways, if he's, like, in the mountains or, or whatever, doing doing his thing. But here, let me uh, pull this thing, pull this thing up uh, real quick. Here we go. Dave from Basketball Digest. Kevin, uh, KD, why, why do people call you KD? Um, Can I call you KD? Or? Yeah. Okay. My, my first name is Kevin. Uh-huh. Right. And my second name, my last name, my second name. My last name is Durant with a D. KD? Uh, this year, how, what percentage do you plan on giving on the court? 90, 95, 100, 110. What are we looking at? Uh, 110. 110. Dave. <laughs> what in the world? How, how does that even? I can see on Zoom, like in the mountains in Montana. That's, that is so bizarre. That's your viral clip of the day. I mean, props for KD for he handled that. Pretty, I don't know if he knew that was David Letterman or not. I don't know if he could see. Who was speaking there? But that is bizarre. I mean, of course, of, of, of course, it's a bit uh, by 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 Letterman. Yeah, uh, <laughs> how many percent are you planning on giving? I think is is that's very valid. Point. That's, like that's that, actually yeah. a good question. Not as obvious <laughs> of an answer. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, NBA Media Day always has a, a couple of beauties. Uh, I, I I enjoyed listening to David Letterman more than than Kyrie Irving. Let's just say that. Um, but plenty of drama upcoming here, especially, I don't know if you saw in Philadelphia too, um, but Joel Embiid basically continuing his takedown of soon-to-be former teammate Ben Simmons. Um, what happens with the Sixers and the Ben Simmons situation is is kind of fascinating as well. 
Um, the NHL, not quite to the level of drama that the NBA has. Sometimes uh, that's good. We'll see if David Letterman gets into any Winnipeg Jets um, conferences anytime soon and maybe has a question. We'll see if Blake Wheeler handles it as well as, uh, as Kevin Durant did there. Um, but I think that's pretty much it for us here today, Remo, uh, unless you've got anything else uh, coming up here before we uh, wrap this thing up and, and call it a call it a day here on a Monday to start the week. No, I mean, I had some stuff. If you want to listen to a bit of what Paul Maurice had to say today, yeah. you want to fire that up for. Yeah, for then let's here. get to some Paul Maurice for the last uh, 10, 15 minutes here before we call it a wrap. Let me just let me just load this thing real quick. Hold on. Yeah, and uh, while you do that, I'll just give a final thank you to all the sponsors here at Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Canadian Club Whiskey, Not Auto Corp, the Nick and Nikki DQ Group, Austin Pizza, Little Brown Jug, Assiniboia Downs, and Cool Bed Canada. So thanks again for all the sponsors here at WST. Uh, but Remo, you got Paul Maurice all tuned up and ready to go speaking after the first preseason game for the Winnipeg Jets during their exhibition schedule. Yeah, this was uh this was earlier today at the Iceplex. So here let me uh let me fire this thing up. He's often or young players I suppose often overthink the game maybe too much, you know, trying to impress coaches, whatever it might be. I mean you've talked about it a little bit. Um how do you what's the challenge how do you transition a guy from doing that to just kind of playing simple where it's a little more instinctual? Yeah, it's an interesting idea, and it's almost the words that you would attach it. So, um, truly confident, highly skilled players have the confidence not to make the play. I know that sounds very strange, but big chunks of the game, nothing happens. And young players will try to make things happen in those places. And that's where... You'll hear lines like, I just got to find my confidence. You can't find confidence when you're turning pucks over. This game is different in the NHL. So there's going to be a percentage of the game where highly skilled players make plays. And we see them on the highlight venue. Man, that's fantastic. But what's really brilliant sometimes is the plays they don't make, right? The truly, the guy who's scoring a lot, and, and it's, it's something that you usually find if a guy's scoring on the power play, his five on five game gets better, right? There's less pressure on him to put numbers up. It's harder to score five on five. A guy struggling on the power play, you see him start pushing it on the five on five. It's just hard to score. So when you tell a player to play a more simple game, especially a young player, it's just a bad word in their head. Oh, I'm not good enough to play more creative. I'm not. It's not. It's the league will only allow you to be very creative in certain times. And when that time comes, feel free. And they pay those guys an awful lot of money. So you're trying to get young players to understand that the game, to play the game, Take what's there. When you have an opportunity to put something hard and fast and on a tape or you see somebody backdoor, fine. But I think stage one is they stop shooting themselves in the foot. They stop trying to make plays when there's absolutely nothing there, right? That's stage one. And then two is figuring out score the clock, the opponent, those kind of things when you can push the envelope a little bit. Is it just thinking the right way then? Yeah. I don't know about so much overthinking. I think that happens possibly after. I think what they first need to do is come in and understand the National Hockey League game. What's there and what isn't there. And that's completely different than any other league. 
Sometimes it's easier for players because there's only one guy coming, but he's coming so hard and fast on you, you got to make that decision real early. And there's a skill set to be able to move the puck, just the simplest of puck movements, flatten on the tape to give your partner a chance to do the same thing. So it's just time. They just Young players need time, but that doesn't mean they need to be on the bench playing 20 minutes a night and then, hey, five years from now they're going to be good. Well, it's a, we can't wait for your, for your five years. But that's not far off what we did five years ago, I guess. You know, when we, when we went after the Anaheim series, we did that. We took those kids and just played the hell out of them, and you miss the playoffs when that happens, and then they get a little better. You, well, I remember three or four years ago you would say, and things that you would say now is that uh, Andrew Kopp, uh, we think there's a little bit of offense there. So... Clearly there was, and there is. Um, what has he done to make that happen? I don't know what he's done to find a set of, um, um, to develop his hands. I think, I think, because you don't see that very often, what he's doing. Coming in as a guy who's nearly defensively perfect in his first year, right? That's unusual. You don't see a lot of guys transition beyond that. But he's... First of all, he's quicker, so he's pushed his body here. He works hard in the summer because he knows that's something, an area that he has to maximize his foot speed. Very intelligent defensively. But a lot of the small plays, I'm going to say he worked at it. So repetition in the summer, handle as many pucks as he can. But what, you know, what Copper does a really good job of is, is the last comment. He's not going to force very many offensive plays that shouldn't be made. He still makes the right decision. So... I would suggest maybe part of what's going on offensively with him is now he's playing with more offensive players, right? Because I trust him in that vein that, that he this is what Andrew's going to do. Um, you know, who are the two players right now that can best complement from that? Well, we can put him with Lowry and whoever that right winger is, and I can run him hard against the other team's best, and that's going to be really good. Um, but I can also put him with Dubois and Nicky Ehlers. Nicky plays a very unusual kind of dynamic game, and sometimes he's he's trying to read off. And as the centerman. Uh, Pierre-Luc is, is figuring that out, right? So Copper's kind of the uh, fail-safe just in case things don't get read properly. He picks that stuff up. And he's going to make a play like the play under the stick there last night, and that one's going to go in the net, and he's going to pick up more points. So Harkins is not a, would be a wise man, as he suggested to, those are two good players to kind of, Copper would be a good guy to mimic yourself after. Yeah, Andrew um, figured out that if he could go out and play a nearly perfect defensive game that I would play him, right, on that alone, because you're always looking for that for you. Like, I would just play him, and then eventually the offense would come. A lot of more offensive players come to the game, and they say, well, this is what I'm selling, so I'm going to show you how much offense I have. And, well, you can't really do it from the fourth line, and you're not getting power play time, so you end up in that twilight zone of I've got to make plays to show what I can do but at seven or eight minutes a night it's not sometimes there's no plays to be made but those guys are damn well going to keep trying that's usually where I say it's much better to have them playing 20 minutes with the most that's usually the next line that falls Paul, just one for you on the Central Division. Uh, it's been a couple of years, of course, since yeah. we've played in it. You look around, a lot of these teams are going to look quite a bit different. Yeah. You know, Suter and Parise are gone. they got Parisov and Rene's gone in Nashville and Keith and Seabrook in Chicago. So do you think, is it possible the identity of the whole Central Division changes this year from maybe what it was in the past? I think it does. And some of the, I don't know how it's going to look. Um, I mean, I watched some hockey last year from them, but with this condensed schedule, 
we watch the Canadian teams, right? You watch your next opponent, and you'd every once in a while you'd catch a game, but you're so locked into pre-scouts that you never. So watch Minnesota play. Watch more of the playoff games, and and uh, I would agree with that. All of those teams look slightly different than they did Nashville, as much as Minnesota in the change. We haven't seen Colorado, but there's an you know, incredibly dynamic team in that. Sierra's won a whole lot in the other division anyway, so. I agree. It's going to look different. I just don't necessarily have a good beat on what that means yet. Hey, Paul, a couple of questions about Nikolai Ehlers. How would you assess the season he had last year, and then what kind of progress are you expecting or would like to see? Yeah, I would like him to start where he finished, right, because that would be if he has the same year that he had last year. Everybody wants more. I get that. But if he has the same year that he has last year, he's going to have a hell of a year. So he starts there. If he can add to that, great. We think he can. If the numbers, and it's not even so much, you know, you score five more, you score five less, you, you could still have a better year. I just want him to start there. He, he went from being a perimeter player uh, that I thought showed signs of fatigue over the course of a year where he'd lull right out. Uh, and he was more of an inspiration to our team a lot of nights than not. Like, he, he became a driver, right? Like, some of his back-checking and some of the defensive plays that he made and the intensity he played on the puck was very inspiring, right? If your smallest guy is playing that hard, it really gets the bench wired up. So, Nicky's that, – that's what I'm hopeful for. I, 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 we don't – I mean, if he's going to score 40, then we'll take it, right? But the game that he played, the intensity that he played at, and the consistency that he played at last year – was a major shift from where he had been before. And we'd like to believe that's, a, that's the maturation process, though, as we say, he's turned pro. He, you know, if he can play that game, then I don't think about Nikolai Ehlers when I come to the rink, I know what he's going to look like. Uh, he's known for his speed, and, and he said today that one thing he's kind of worked on is to get a faster start. I mean, what kind of benefit would that be, that yeah. package? Yeah, we'd like to access that a little bit. Um, when Nikolai first came in, he very, very quick, but not overly powerful in that. I know it looks fast, but he would stay in motion the entire time to kind of add to his speed, which can be a challenge in the defensive zone where you're kind of supposed to be in one spot for a while. Um, and he fixed that. So we've got him stopping and start a little more so he can go straight line burst and take off. And then, you know, between he and Kyle Connor and, and Mark and Blake are both really, really fast guys. They can change the way teams defend on you just on that speed. The f even if it's not by design by the coaches, you get enough good bursts from those guys in straight line quickness. Their deal start giving a little bit of ice and, and uh, changes the way they defend. You've talked How do you think he just stacks up overall in, in the league? In terms of like an elite group, is, is he among them? It's if he has another year, like he did, yes. So those elite guys that are, if you're a goal scorer and that's all you do, you need to put up big numbers every year. If you can do more than score, you can't really uh, value a guy only on the goals. Then they can do so much more. Not letting. Nick, Nick's season last year for me was pretty special. If he has another one of those, then we'll start talking about him in that. I think you have to have more than one year like that. I just wanted to ask about the, the concept of maturity. You mentioned it kind of about Nick Ehlers, about Andrew Cobb, about the yeah. young guys earlier on. What can guys, at what point do you start noticing guys rounding out into that mature form, whether it's on ice, off ice? What are, what are some of the tells for you? 
the intangibles are. Their fitness stabilizes when they come into camp. So what you think they did last year, they'll do that plus, right? So you don't worry about their summer program. Um, so they have their own individual preparation plan, you know, uh, tight. This is what I'm going to do in the summer. This is how I'm going to get better. When they come back to camp, they're bigger, stronger, faster, or leaner, or whatever it is. They're more mature physically because they put the time in. So you don't worry about that. Then it becomes their game. What you think of that player is what that player does every night. Some nights he bangs a couple in. Some nights he may, you know, maybe makes mistakes. But you can define. I can describe that player to you, and you've never seen him play. And you show up on any night in the season, and chances are you're going to see that game and say, okay, that's what he was talking about. That That's the hallmark then of greatness too. Think about that, that, that you could define a great player that he could put the, the numbers up that these guys put up and everybody in the world knows it. So when we're going into play, when you're coming into play Mark Shifley and he's got year after year of being in the top 10, they've got a plan for it and he still finishes in the top 10. That's how good those guys are. There's Paul Maurice after practice today at the Bell MTS Iceplex. Some uh, some some fun comments there, Remo, including uh, what was the Andrew Coughlin there again? Perfect defensively, and that's how we knew he was going to get into the lineup early on as a kid. Have, having some fun there with Andrew Coughlin. There was a couple lines there I liked. I had a good laugh. I was like, yeah, he's like Andrew figured out really on that if he played good defensively, um, I would play him, <laughs> and uh, I thought it's worked out pretty well. Menchie's getting a lot of time on second line. And, I mean, Scott mentioned it too. He said he does everything pretty well except for, you know, at times finishing. But for a guy who can't finish, he definitely scored a lot of goals. Uh, not a lot. He had career career highs last year. And if he plays, you know, on line two uh, during the year and gets that additional ice time, gets some power play time, uh, maybe he could improve on those numbers as well. I'm, like, salving here thinking about uh, if Nikolai Ehlers could get even faster than he was before because to me he was already one of the fastest players in the league at uh, at top speed. So uh, pretty, I mean that guy is putting in the work. They th- say hey he's going to come in where he was last year, and you know maybe there's room for him to get better. And I think he took away that. And there was someone asking uh, was asking the questions about uh, about Ehlers. Um, and that was uh, Judy Owen uh, asking those questions. So uh, who? With Murat in there as well. So uh, nice, nice to hear from the coach about uh, about the team uh, after practice today. Yeah, yeah, interesting comments too about just the youngsters and and what they need to do to kind of solidify a role with the team moving forward. Just to get a you know kind of a behind the scenes look into the uh, the thought process of the coaching staff there. When you talk about guys like Jansen Harkins or a David Gustafson or even a, a Christian Veselainen too up front, uh, and, and I actually liked um, T. Quinnapoli in the chat mentioned that. You know, Andrew Kopp and kind of his progression is maybe a a best case scenario path for a David Gustafson, for example, who, you know, he is one of those rare youngsters that comes into the NHL or into professional hockey with a really well-rounded defensive game, a really mature sense of what to do in his own half of the ice. But there's just the waiting out for the offensive game to follow up the defensive side of things. But that would be a, a great best case scenario for David Gustafson if he can kind of follow a similar career path to Andrew Kopp. And then we obviously have, you know, Cole Perfetti, who's going to try to uh, cement a case for himself in the top six sooner rather than later. Um, yeah. And, and Nikolai either is getting faster. I don't know how much more faster he's going to get. Um, but the intriguing part there was 
Paul Maurice mentioning, you know, maybe to the chagrin of a lot of people out there that, you know, and he's going to start on the second line and he's not going to be getting 20 minutes of ice time right off the bat. I, I wonder what it will take, uh, what Nikolai Ehlers is going to have to do to get, you know, 20 minutes of ice time a night and, and, and first line minutes as well. If he was a point of game player last year, um, I believe sooner than later, we're going to see Nikolai Ehlers, you know, lead this team in, in time on ice when it comes to the wingers, at least. Um, but hey, maybe Dubois Ehlers cop pushes the top line for for top line minutes. And that's probably the best case scenario moving forward that you have a 1A and then a 1B with those three that we saw in action last night. Yeah, I think so. And, and the battle that uh, we're going to be watching, you know, throughout training camp is who's going to take those, you know, bottom four um, forward spots that were vacated last year. Uh, Appleton, Lewis, Perot, and uh, Thompson. Uh, I think, you know, maybe Harkins in there. Riley Nash, I think he's, uh, you know, he made a name for himself. Guy who can play the penalty kill as well. You know that they like that in the bottom forwards. Maybe Svechnikov gets uh, bumped down. He's on He's on a two-way. Gustafson, maybe you you bump him up a bit. And I think there's there's one more Toninato played or Perfetti yeah, yeah. per, who played yesterday. So, I mean, game two of the preseason Tomorrow, and I think that's the real, you know, battle uh, that we're going to be watching is who's going to grab those. And I think, as I said earlier, the guys who are on the one-way deals, I think, have have a leg up. Um, and yeah, I'll- yeah, we'll, we'll see. Riley Nash, I think, grab that fourth-line center spot mm-hmm. for sure. I mean, it just fits the mo, right? Of yeah, of what Chevy and, and Maurice look for in a fourth-line center, whether you like that or not. I have no problem with David Gustafson playing on on the fourth. Like, I I, I would love to see him get you know, 19, 20 minutes a night in the AHL, but I, I think he can be good on the fourth line right away. And you can kind of bring him along slowly too. You're not asking him to do a whole lot. And, you know, he's obviously going to be a really solid defensive player for you. I, I might lean more towards a guy like Gustafson um, than what I've seen out of Evgeny Sveshnikov, for example, so far, mm-hmm. albeit, you know, limited training camp and, and just the one game. Uh, but I, I think David Gustafson would be just fine as a fourth line player. And, and if it's Jansen Harkins on the other wing too, I, I'd be okay with that. I think we could live with that. And then we'll see what Christian Veselainen can do with yes. a really, really big opportunity in front of him, right? I, I know Scott Billick liked his game last night. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more. You know, he didn't play with um, his potential line mates, so maybe that has a has a part in it too. But Christian Veselainen, this is, you know, kind of officially the make-or-break year for him if he wants to be a, you know, regular, no doubt about it, 12, 13, 14-minute-a-night guy for the Jets. There's definitely a, an opportunity there for him. I mean, he's still only, I think, 22. So just turned 22. So, I mean, he's not, still not quite, uh, he's still, what, would Paul Maurice consider him a young, a young player? Would he be a young player in Paul Maurice's uh, glossary or of young players? <laughs> um, so we'll see. So maybe, you know, he does spend some time with the Moose at some point. So uh, we'll wait, we'll wait and see on that. I know we're about to wrap up, Brandon. We did have uh, some other notes from Michael Shea at the Bombers and the Bombers availability. I know a lot of talk with the kicking situation with the Bombers. That's really <laughs> the number one. Uh, if you want to know what kicker Ali Mortada uh, did during the bye, he spent it in Winnipeg practicing. So I know I saw some other guys maybe went on vacation, went to the lake. Ali Mortada said, as according to John Hodge on Twitter, Three Down Nation, he felt disappointed in his debut versus Edmonton, as anyone would. And uh, he missed all three of his field goal attempts in that game. So he did practice. So 
I mean, Hamilton said last Monday that they were, I mean, they don't really have any other options, that they're going to give him another shot. And you hope that it was uh, the jitters. Maybe he'll be in a dome on Friday in BC. But I mean, yeah. this is, this is the Bombers kicking is, I mean, it hasn't cost them, but it is something we're going to be watching. And you can't be kicking 50% field goals on the year. That's, that's pretty rough. Yeah, dude, the, the, I think people were being positive after that because they were like, at least he kicks it straight. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what are, what are we doing here? You got to make, I don't care if it curves or it goes straight, like make some kicks finally, please. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it's tough with kickers too, right, though, because you come in and if you're not making them right off the bat, like you get, he's going to get this game and that might be it, right? Like you just don't have a long leash because you can't afford to continually miss kicks they've been fortunate like you said to get through it so far without it costing them uh, a win at this point but yeah I, i'm i don't care which direction the kicks go as long as it goes between those two yellow uprights a couple times friday night in bc yeah and again that's what we're going to be paying attention to as well as you mentioned some of those injured players notably janarian grant who would be a big boost to the kick return yeah. game uh, on friday against a divisional rival uh, bc who's but they're third now after losing to Saskatchewan last week. But uh, I think they're a tough competition for sure. Yeah, going to be a hell of a matchup. And uh, make sure you t- stay tuned in to Winnipeg Sports Talk throughout the week as we'll talk with uh, Darren Bombing and a, a number of other Bomber reporters getting ready for that one. Um, we'll also have a ton of Jets talk throughout the week as well as they continue with a couple of preseason games um, and whatever else is going on in, in the sporting world. Uh, but obviously, Andrew Hustler-Patterson is going to be back in the big seat Moving forward here, he's coming back from Wisconsin and he will be back hosting Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily beginning tomorrow. So super pumped to have Huss back in the seat. Remo, thank you so much over these last couple of shows for, uh, you know, helping me out, making sure everything runs smoothly here. And uh, we'll talk sometime soon. Okay, bud? Yeah, I kind of I screwed you a bit uh, on Friday. (laughs) I forgot to unmute some guys when they came on. I'm just managing some. I think Lowry, that was me. And there might have been another one. I just like didn't, I don't know, didn't have it have it ready for you. So made of, I feel like it threw you off, but I appreciate that. And if you missed the Lowry interview, it is available as a standalone uh, feature on our YouTube page. And uh, thank you, Brandon, for filling in. Yeah, and, and, thanks and doing for a great job. Oh, I appreciate it. And thanks for everybody uh, in the comments giving me some love or at least, you know, being nice to me and, and, and not telling me to my face that I'm not doing a good job. But great to hear from everybody. And uh, like I mentioned, Andrew Hesler-Patterson is going to be back for tomorrow's show. Uh, one last time, just a quick shout out to all the sponsors here at Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. But we have Not Auto Corp, Cool Bets Canada, Assiniboia Downs, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Canadian Club Whiskey, Nick and Nikki DQ Group, Boston Pizza, and Little Brown Jug as well. Winnipeg Sports Talk back at it again tomorrow. I've been Brandon Berwicki filling in for Huss, who's back tomorrow. Enjoy the rest of your Monday and have a great day, everyone. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com. 